So I need two volunteers to get me started this morning. Uh, two volunteers. Any two volunteers? Two. Yes, Shabrin, you're going to be amazing for this. One other person. Mike, beautiful. You guys come on up here. And now I need somebody with $100 cash. Somebody's got to have $100 cash. I need to borrow your cash. I promise I'll give it back. I've got accountability here. Beautiful. You know, my man's got cash. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I don't want to touch it if it's that, because that doesn't belong to me. Okay, so here's, I, I want to kind of play out a little bit of an illustration. Let me count it. One, two, three, four, five. That's, that's $20 bills, $100. Okay, we're going to play uh, a, a little uh, illustration in here for you. And first, Mike, um, you're, you're looking so astute with your glasses and your beard, looking nicely groomed this morning. Um, you're going to be a banker for me okay. this morning. And Shabreen, you're going to be Shabreen. Congratulations, you get to be yourself. Um, and Shabreen's going to represent all of us, every single one of us, and Mike is here, a banker. And so you guys help kind of play along and have some fun with this, right? I want you to have some fun. Um, so one day, Shabreen and her, her husband, Marcus, they saved up this money. Woohoo! They saved up $100. Remember, we've been talking about saving back 1000 They saved the 100 and they're like, hey, what are we going to do with this money? We don't know. Kind of having some conversation about it. But they decide they're going to take this money to the bank. They're going to trust the bank. So they decide, what bank are we going to go to? They found this good-looking guy, and they said he looks trustworthy. So they counted it out, and they dropped $100 off at the bank. Well, Shabreen goes home. We'll just act like home's over here, where I'm at. There you go. And she, she goes home, and her and Marcus begin to talk. It's maybe a week later, and they decide, hey, we're going to, to spend this $100 on... She wants tough questions of life. A horse. That's not enough. A hundred dollar mini horse. So they're going to go. She goes back to the bank. And as she's walking into the bank, she sees first the teller before she sees Mike. Mike's a banker. He's back in the office, right? Sees the first teller. I'll be that teller. And then as soon as you, you, you walk in, I'm like... I'm like not happy to see you, and you get a little bit nervous, right? Yeah, you don't want to see that look on your banker's face when you're coming, and they're like, ooh, we don't want to see you, right? Okay, so anyway, Mike comes out, and he has some bad news to break. He's got that face like, I don't know what to tell you, um, but your $100 is not here. What? Your $100 is gone. Shabreen is getting ticked, obviously. Where's my $100? She starts throwing punches, pitching a fit. What would you do if you went to the bank and your money wasn't there, right? She's, the German would come out. The German would come out of Shabreen. There's no money. Mike says, what'd you do with the money? What'd you do with the money, Mike? Where'd it go? What'd you spend it on? They wanted a horse. They wanted to go on a cruise. He took his family on a cruise. Let me play this out for you a little bit and what this looks like in real life. Shabreen trusted the bank, right? You trust your bank. Even if you don't trust them, you trust them because you put your money there. Take your money there and you entrust it. There was a breach of trust here, right? You entrusted the bank. And what this really looks like in, in life is that Shabreen's not us. She's really representative of God. 
And Mike's n- not a, a banker. Um, he's, he's really representative of us. That God has entrusted us with money. God's entrusted us with money. And, and so many times, we've not acted trustworthy. Man, it got super funny and super serious really quickly. It just had a big change there. All right, so let, let, let them sit down. Give it up for these guys. Great job. Had fun with it. Give the man his money back. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, look at Psalm 24, 1 with me. Psalm 24, 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Anybody an alien in the house does not live on this planet? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is a little bit of a game changer, this illustration in the way we view everything. That our kids are not our own. That my house is not my own. My 401k, not mine. My comic book collection, not mine. My car, my video games, you name it, not mine. I think it's all included in this everything. Everything just about covers everything, right? Covers everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so I I think overall in this past few weeks, what I've been trying to grab a hold of um, and, and share with us is for our emotional connection to money to transform from being anxiety, frustration, depression, hopelessness, shame, doubt. Whatever that emotional connection that a few weeks ago I asked you, what's your emotional connection with money? What's the one word that's associated most of you? Stress, some shame. That God wanted that to transform to a place of just hope in that it was not a place of of frustration and constant stress, but it would be a place of hope and of peace and of freedom, and we've been unpacking that for the past few weeks. I want to end this series today um, and just unpacking this a, a little bit more for us off of this phrase, because next week we're going, we're going to be moving towards Easter. Easter's in two weeks from today. You guys excited about that? It's going to be a great day of celebration. Uh, next week we'll just, it's Palm Sunday, so it kind of, we'll, we'll be, be sharing on that, just turning our, our attention to the cross and the resurrection. So I'm excited about that. So I want to wrap this up today, but I first want to kind of begin to set the table for this deep perspective that it's all the Lord's and that we're just entrusted with it. A long time ago, um, some of you historians will, and those that have a good memory from your school years in which you learned about European history, remember like feudal times? Right, where there was kings, and there was kingdoms, and a palace, and a castle, right? Sounds kind of fun. And how things went in this time, that there was a person called a steward. You may have heard this. You probably associate it immediately with a flight, right? The person who comes and hands you pretzels. But way before there was, there was airplanes and pretzel giving, there were stewards of castles and kingdoms. And that a king would go away for some period of time. And the home and everything in it would be left and entrusted to a a steward. This is how this word 
came into the King James translation and this weird word that only gets used in America in the church. And some of you have heard it, and that's the only place you'll ever hear. It's not used in any financial context anywhere outside of the church. But it came through this King James translation that we are stewards. We are stewards of what is given. And the role of a steward is when the king went away, they had to sign off on everything that took place. If someone wanted to move the picture from here to here, it was the steward's job to decide whether that is what the king wanted or not. If someone, if the people working the fields needed to buy another cow to keep things moving, it was the steward's job to decide whether that's something the king thought was a worthy investment. Everything that happened within the kingdom, within the castle, was a decision for the steward to make. He was entrusted when the king was not there to, to make those decisions. It's kind of an intense job. But you can see how this directly parallels that the Lord is every, um, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and that we, as His children, are are stewards. Even take it way back before there was this financial stuff. Look to the garden with Adam and Eve, and what did He tell Adam and Eve with the plants? It's yours. Steward it well. Take care of the plants. Take care of the earth. Steward it well. It's all yours. Look at it. Everything, it's yours. And so even way before we got into this whole financial thing, it was about stewardship and that we are stewards. As if stewardship is not a weird enough word for uh, us, um, particularly those that have not heard that anywhere else. You'll come into church and you'll hear them talk about the word tithe. And you're like, everybody starts cringing, right? Sometimes when we hear that word, and we're like, what does that even mean? Like, where is that? that's not in the Bible that we're supposed to give. To, actually, do you know what tithe literally means, the literal translation of that? Anybody know? Tenth. tenth. It literally means tenth. There's, there, it's in, sometimes I hear people, well, we tithe ten, 2%. Well, it's impossible. You tithe, you, you tenth 2%. It, it doesn't work. It, it's a tenth. It's a tenth. And many times we're kind of weirded out <clears throat> by that, and sometimes I want to I make this clear. Sometimes we take on like condemnation, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so that's not there. Tithing's not a salvation issue. Just because you tithe and you give 10% doesn't mean you're going to heaven, and just because you don't doesn't mean you're not, okay? So, anybody that carries any of that, like release yourself from that. Anybody just excited about grace today? <laughs> that we're not, it's not based on how good we are, or how smart we are, how perfect we are. It's based on Jesus. Everybody said amen. So deep breath, anybody that's carrying any anxiety and stress about this, or feels like pastor is bringing some condemning message, that's the opposite of what I'm bringing. I'm pointing this to hope, and, and what I want to get into, begin to talk about is the purpose of all this giving, and, and really why God wants us to be a giver, and so we're going to unpack that here in, in just a minute, but we're financial m- managers and I asked you this question uh, two weeks ago and said, if it was your job to manage money for a company, would you fire you? And some of us, if we were being honest, yeah, we'd probably fire ourselves because we're not doing the best at, at managing it. But I want to get us into this mindset that, um, that we're, we're financial managers. And really this whole process of giving starts with love. It starts with love of knowing that God, that God loved the world and that he gave his son, that he was a giver. Out of love, it was birthed from there, and then love births trust, that we begin to trust God, and we begin to obey him when we trust him, we walk in that obedience, 
and that all leads to blessing over time. And so I want to begin to unpack um, really what I feel like are, are, are four things, um, and I'm going to be brief today. Is that okay? You guys okay with me being brief? If you want me to preach long, I can preach super long, but I'm going to be brief today. I, I want to unpack what I feel like are like four kind of core purposes of giving and what happens <clears throat> when we give. And I'm not trying to get something from you. Uh, I'm really trying to get something to you in what the scriptures teach us. Uh, the, the first thing that I, I want to tell us, just as life, uh, we're, we're stewards of a giving God. Right? We're stewards of a giving God. And the first thing that I really want to, to share on is that giving changes us. It, it makes us more like Christ. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. <clears throat> One of the things that I've learned about giving is that giving says way more about the giver than it does about the receiver, right? All you have to do is think about that gift that someone gave you, and you know something they would buy for themselves, but they bought it from you, hoping that at some point you'll re-gift it to them, right? Um, sometimes we, we um, when we're giving, you know, we've all thought this, when there was a, a needy person that came in our path, whether it's someone on the street or just a friend, and we immediately begin to think about the receiver. Are they worthy of this? Will they handle it well? Will they go and buy booze with this? Or will it go towards a hotel? And we begin to think about the receiver. But giving actually says way more about the giver than it does about the receiver. And think about that with God. That when God would send and give his son, what does that say about the giver? It doesn't say anything about us, right? Our righteousnesses, but filthy rag that says everything about the giver. I heard this um, retired pastor used to share many years ago, and it was always very putting, um, and it was very clear when he would say it. Um, And for those of you that are servers at a restaurant in the house, you understand that um, church people are known for their giving, and it's not their generosity when it comes to restaurants, right? You guys know this? Everybody with me? And he would always say this, what I choose to give, it, it says way more about me than what it says about them. I give because of my character and my heart, not because of their performance. And I, I give out of obedience to God, not out of, of the receiver. And so many times we go through this whole process when it comes to um, uh, giving, of, of thinking through the receiver and like who, who the, and it's really just a matter of, of obedience and it says more about our heart as a giver and it says more about the giver as it does with Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. I think that's a, a powerful illustration for it. Let me continue to kind of go back to this whole thing. The earth is the Lord's and, and everything in it. Let's take this, for example. You invite me over for dinner. That sounds good. Let's go over for dinner. I like steak. We'll grill steaks. And uh, as we walk in and we start, you know, we hang out, do some small talk for a second. And after a few minutes, I start looking around in your house. And I'm like, you know what? That wall color should really be chartreuse. And I don't really know what chartreuse is, but I've just heard of it. It needs to change. And I think this couch would go better over here. And you know what? I, I, you got the cups in this cabinet, but I think they'd work way better right here by the dishwasher. I think that would just, there'd be some good action. After a few minutes, you'd probably say, Kyle, you've got a great sense of style and taste. I like it. 
killer sense of feng shui in the house right now. Um, no, and then after just another minute, you'd be like, bro, this ain't your house. Get out of my house. I don't need your input. My Mickey Mouse snow globe is staying. It's not going anywhere. It serves a purpose, right? Then do that because we're, we're stewards. We're stewards. And we don't go into God's house and tell him how to move things around. But it's what he, he does. And it's in this process that he transforms us. Giving literally changes us over time. There was a, before I go on to the next point, um, there was a pastor who pastored 35 years. And he's, he, I heard him say that um, in, in his 35 years of ministry, a married couple who agreed on the principle of tithing and who, who operated in it faithfully in his 35 years of ministry, seen lots of couples over many years, seen a lot of couples stick together and a lot of them divorced. The couples that agreed and faithfully participated in tithing, he'd never seen a single divorce. And so someone asked him, he's like, what are you saying, man? What are you saying by that? Is this like a protection from divorce? And he's like, I'm not saying that. He said, you can't participate this and faithfully participate when you're selfish. And couples that aren't selfish stick together a lot better. Um, I thought that was a powerful thought that over time, one of the things I I learned about um, giving, when I first began to participate as a giver, um, and not just the church, just generally as a giver, um, I I would just do it kind of out of, um, not habit, but just because I felt like I had to, because like someone asked me to. Um, and because I felt like this was something even, even that God wanted me to do. So I would just do it and participate. But that whole cheerful thing was not present, wasn't even close. Um, but after a while, like, I learned more and more and saw God be so faithful in, in finances and blow my mind with just serious miracles. And I realized that over time, as I, the more I participated in giving, he was, he was transforming me in the process. That slowly, that giving was not something I did, but I just became a giver. It wasn't just something that I would do, that over time God had, had, had transformed me from being selfish and all about myself. And like, if, if you want to know what Pastor Kyle looked like before Jesus, I was super self-involved, I was super selfish, I was super arrogant and prideful, uh, and I was, I was all about the me. Um, and, and since then, as God's just brought me through so many things, I just feel like it's honestly can sometimes you have to care you know carry it from being or care for it that doesn't turn into a curse because you care so much about other people right some of you know what I'm talking about that he's just brought me so far in that it transforms us over time and makes us way less selfish and we become more like Christ the second thing is that giving is a constant reminder of ownership that it all belongs to the Lord. Some of you will remember back to Malachi uh, 3 and 8, and uh, the prophet speaks for the Lord and says that to the people, you're robbing me. You're, you're thieves, right? You ever been accused of being a thief? I, I've been accused of being a thief. In fact, I don't want to implicate myself in something and really get in trouble this. This is from when I was a little kid, so don't get worried. Um, so I had this friend who came and stole stuff from me, um, broke into my house while I was gone. It's like a good friend. He was living in my grandparents' house. He 
He stole something from me. He stole all my model cars. So all my baseball cards, which were like prized possessions to me back in the day. I named my son Beckett after Beckett Magazine, the baseball card value. So I liked baseball cards when I was a kid. This prized possession, he stole it from me. Went right in my room. Not even that. He went into my freezer and ate my ice cream sandwiches. He played on our pool table and left the ice cream sandwich wrappers everywhere. We came home from vacation and his, his bike was sitting at our front door. We're like, huh. What's that doing there? We go in, windows open, leaves everywhere. We had caught him. We knew who it was. Well, uh, later, of course, that day, we went down there to, you know, confront him and say, bro, we know you were in our house. Now give me back my stuff. Give me back my ice cream sandwiches. And um, didn't fess up to it at first. I don't have any of that stuff, Right? Well, being the stupid kid I was, well, when his family went to Las Vegas, guess what I did? Got me and my buddies, and we were going to break into his house, steal his stuff. Well, we did it. We were good. And uh, we didn't get caught. We stole stupid little things, right? Not that that's any better, but... But later, he, he came asking about it, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about, man. He's accused of it, right? That's what happened to Malachi. I said, you're robbing me. And they're like, I'm not robbing you. He's like, yeah, you are. Because the tithe belongs to the Lord. It belongs to, it's a belonging. Really, everything's in it, right? Everything in the Lord, uh, in the earth is the Lord's. And so when we tithe, when we regularly have to give of ourselves, financially, and I'm not just talking about finances, in every way, it's a reminder that our bodies are not our own. When we're asked to give a little more of time and energy at church, right? Because we're, we're coming around, say, our buy a tree season, or we do some things, we're rallying, we're going out here for good, we're going to serve our city, and you're asked to do a little bit more of time and energy, right? And we have to give of ourselves, we realize that we are not our own. We're not our own that we give. And it's a constant reminder of ownership that it's not mine. It's not mine. So I give it faithfully to the Lord. It's a weekly declaration of who's in charge. God, it's you in charge and it's you I trust in all things. Thirdly, a lot of times when we think about um, worship and we come to a quote-unquote worship service or a worship gathering, um, we would think through music. We would think through maybe the preaching the fellowship, but many times we don't correlate giving with worship, and giving is worship. It's worship. In fact, before we ever kind of got into this kind of modern era of what kind of church looks like today, um, it was always associated. I mean, think about the, the Magi. When they came to Jesus, they came to do what? To, to worship. We're here to worship, and what did they have with them? Gifts. They had gifts. Giving was always, worship was always associated with giving. You didn't come to a king to show honor or bow down or worship. You didn't come to a, a tabernacle without a, a sacrifice. And so giving is an act of worship. We see that in the Magi because it's all his and we bring it back to him as a, a true place of worship. And many times we'll, we'll consider everything else worship um, but many times we don't consider that an, an act of worship, and it truly is. 
And so many times we just make it these kind of little micro, micro um, I, I can't think of the word I'm trying to use, um, but we, we make it these kind of other small things and not, maybe we, we forget this one piece. We think of the sacraments and we'll think of um, the music and we'll think of all these things, but we forget that giving, in fact, it was always associated with worship and that when we come, we bring gifts. So giving is an act of worship. And remember, it says more about uh, the giver than it does uh, about the receiver. Finally, I told you I was going to be short today. I believe that, that giving is, is spiritual warfare. And if I haven't weirded you out with anything else I've said, this probably weirded you out um, for some of you. Giving is actually spiritual warfare. This would not be something that I came up with on my own. But I believe the scriptures teach that, that giving is indeed spiritual warfare. I mean, look what Malachi 3 and 11 says. It says, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Almighty. That there might be, that God would do something when we trust him in this, that he prevent pests from devouring. I believe that's spiritual warfare. I believe that's representative of the spiritual warfare we um, fight in, in our, our lives. Many times we're very focused on the tangible, aren't we? We're very focused on the tangible and the practical, and we don't realize that beyond all the stuff we see, um, there's our soul in the spiritual realm in which that God sees and there's this battle that, that takes place. And often we don't think a, a, about what's taking place. Uh, many years ago, we were taking a, a mission trip to Mexico. And uh, a young lady in, uh, on our group, she, I remember telling her testimony, and she said that I felt like God, uh, she was having trouble raising the funding. Um, and today's the last day. If you want to go to Guatemala, give your $100 towards that today. See Kim? Um, but she was kind of overwhelmed. I think the trip, total trip cost was $1,000. She was overwhelmed by, by raising this $1,000 as a college student. And uh, she felt that God had told her, you need to sew $100. And I'm not doing this today. So if you start thinking I'm about to do one of those things, I'm not. Okay. Um, but she, she, told, she felt like God told her to sew $100. And, um, and the trip was getting close to being due. Like everything was going to be due. And so she said, okay, I don't know what it's about, but she, I'm just going to drop it in the plate. And um, long story short, like that week, a $1,000 check shows up from a lady she had unsolicited, just heard about her trip, and, and gave it. There was a, a sewing to that. There was a, an obedience to that. And maybe, would that have happened anyway? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but... I've learned in my life, actually, many times when I found, I found tension in my finances, um, that actually what God's taught me along the way is not to run away from that or be like, oh man, because things are tighter, let's squeeze tighter, right? Isn't that kind of the natural thought? Um, actually, God's taught me to do the very opposite of that as spiritual warfare, that actually when I'm feeling tension, that I need to plant a seed somewhere. Like, who, who, like, God, where are you telling me to give this to? What person are you telling me to invest this in and just bless secretly? And I can't tell you the number of times that God's told me to do that, and like, man, it doesn't take very long, and then bam, God's opening a door. 
And, and I can't even, who knows the amount of times that he's prevented the pest of the field from devouring the crop. Like seriously, who knows? There's so much that God does for us that we have no idea about. And we'll, sometimes we'll never know. But there's a, a spiritual warfare there, and it's not over your money because God doesn't need your money. And so many times people think that, like, I'm supposed to be, I don't know, they, they wonder, I, I, I think at least, sometimes a pastor, you get caught up in your head on this topic, because people wonder, oh, man, I, I, don't, I want the pastor to think I'm being faithful, right? I want the church to know, like, I'm serious about my relationship with God, right? And we kind of make it about us and the church, but when Jesus was talking about giving in Matthew 6 and 1, he said, look, when you give, don't let anybody know about it. What was he saying there? Saying that giving's a private thing between you and the Lord. That giving's a, a worship is a private thing between you and God. And so, I'm not interested. I don't care. I'm not trying to get something from you today. I'm trying to get something for you. And, and more than I'm trying to get something for you, God is after you. Why are there so many more scriptures on giving and t- our tangible resources than prayer? And almost any other topic, why does Jesus talk about it so much? Because he wants all of our hearts. He wants all of us. And his grace is so good that it, he, he's not all, all, only wanting us and jealous for us, but he will not leave us the way we came that we will be transformed over and over again to be less selfish, to be more full of faith and trust in him, to be less depressed and more full of hope, to be less bound by our debt and our stuff and more just connected to his kingdom. I always love to think about Luke 9 and 10 when Jesus is sending out the disciples. He's sending them out and he says, take nothing, for your journey. Take nothing for your journey. Take no bag. Take no extra pair of rainbows. It's like my favorite sandal. Take no extra cloak. Nothing. If I begin to preach a message on that, he's pointing to things. Your financial security, your social kind of context. He's pointing to all these different things in our life that are like security blankets for us. And he's saying, I, I, I want you to walk with me every day and trust me. You don't need extra money, no extra shoes. I'm going to provide it. And maybe above anything else I've heard today, you just need to hear this that God loves you so deeply that he doesn't need your money. And he's not judging you and all that stuff. He's after your heart. He wants all of you, and he has the most incredible future for you. He does. If you're hopeless today, find hope in Jesus, not in Pastor Kyle who preached like an average message. Like find hope in in Jesus today. That he loves you deeply and will provide for you every step of the way. And he's calling us out to trust him. He's not just calling us out to trust him, but into a life of blessing 
and taking on this wisdom and knowledge of Scripture. Like this is not like a, a cute message. I, there's scriptures beside those. God said these things. God established these things. God wants something for us, and he wants freedom, and he wants hope in our lives. I believe that he's bringing us to that today. I want to ask you to stand, and these guys are going to lead us in a song, because the one thing I really felt like God's doing in our church, and it was so amazing, just the song selection that these guys selected today, that those songs, man, they were just speaking about transformation, like, God, take me deeper, you know, don't let me stay the same. I mean, they were just spot on what God, for this past, like, two weeks, I felt like God's been doing in our church, and, and kind of just sharing with me is that God loves us, and when we give, we become more Christ-like, that he is transforming us. And so, I want to close this in prayer, and these guys are going to lead us in worship in this song, and Kim's going to come up and invite us to the table after. And um, We're just going to spend this time worshiping and reflecting on what God's doing in our life and our hearts, and that he loves us too much than to leave us just like we are but he calls us out to be a giver, to be a reflection of the Father. Let's pray today. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you you laid the example. You laid the foundation. Before the foundation of the earth was even here, God, you saw ahead. You see to our need today. You see to our brokenness. You see to the condemnation that we're feeling, God. And I just pray like a warm um, blanket that's just being lifted up off of us, God, that we would just feel that freedom and release today to know that by grace we've been saved, God, and that you are calling us into deeper waters today. You're calling us to be a reflection of your love and your giving in the earth, God. Not just money, God, but in everything, all things, our time and energy. God, we're here for you. We worship you. Teach us to be more like you today.